Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kamidogu Podcast. I am Christopher Veljanovsky, and joining me, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend, Toasty. Toasty! Welcome to this very special episode. It's great to have you with us again. If you're new here, please hit follow or subscribe wherever you watch or listen to the podcast. We greatly appreciate all of the support from the Mortal Kombat community and look forward to bringing you more great content over the weeks and months ahead. We at Kamidoku care deeply about the community and the various predicaments we all face in our personal lives. Today is a very meaningful and important episode to us, as we'll be interviewing a gentleman by the name of Tommy Pham. When Christopher and I happened to hear about the heartbreaking story regarding Tommy's son, Raiden, we instantly knew. This was a cause that we wanted to help make aware to the public. We have a desire to support and assist in every possible way. Little Raiden is affected by UBA5, a genetic disorder so rare that only about 30 people suffer this unfortunate condition worldwide. UBA5 is a life-threatening progressive neurological disorder that can cause muscle floppiness, seizures, brain abnormalities, and much more. It breaks us to hear of such a circumstance, and we truly hope Tommy's fundraiser for his child reaches the appropriate sum. We are also joined by the lovely Carrie Hoskins, who we last spoke to in episode 6, commonly known for playing Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat 3. As a special needs parent herself to two young men, she knows exactly what it's like to face an uphill and uncertain battle. We have a number of questions to get through that are quite essential today. And so with that being said, let's continue over to today's interview. So to begin, Tommy, tell us about your first experience with Mortal Kombat particularly. Also, what is your favorite game and who is your favorite combatant? My first experience with Mortal Kombat, I remember I was hanging out with my cousin at 7-Eleven in the back corner. There's a Street Fighter machine and then there's the Mortal Kombat machine. And he would always play Mortal Kombat. And so that's how I fell in love with like Mortal Kombat. And that was the first one. I was like 1992, 93. Yeah. 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 He's always used Raiden. And so I just fell in love with Raiden. <laughs> and as a, as a little kid, I, I looked up to him. So that's why I fell in love with Mortal Kombat. Lovely. Now, from what I believe, yeah. your wife, Linda, is not a gamer. So how exactly did you manage to convince her to name your son Raiden? Yeah, and so um, we were trying to think of different names. She really loved Trevor. I was like, Trevor is such a common name. And I'm like, well, what about Raiden? And then she's like, ooh, that's a unique name. It's kind of like Jaden. I love it. Let's, let's go with Raiden. And then she didn't find out Raiden was a Mortal Kombat character until like the baby shower when someone brought it up saying, like, hey, Linda, did you know that uh, Raiden's a Mortal Kombat character? She had no idea and it's already too late. But it's confirmed. <laughs> it was yeah. in front of all friends and family. You can't go back. Lucky. So, Carrie, some fans may not realize that you too 
are actually a special needs parent to two boys, Luke and Zach, who also recently celebrated their 25th birthdays. At what point did you come to realize that uh, this would be the case? Well, I mean, they were born 12 weeks early. They were like two and a half pounds. And when we were going through the whole NICU process, they were in the NICU for about two months. And um, the doctors all brought us into this meeting room. And it was probably about, I want to say, maybe six weeks into their NICU visit. And um, they sat us down at this table, and there was just doctors around the, the whole table, all staring at us. And they told us that one of the boys had PVL. It's periventricular leukomalacia. And that's where there's lesions on the brain. Where, because the brain wasn't done developing, um, it, it created like lesions on the brain. So that th those parts of the brain were not developed. And they probably wouldn't be. So they told us that the boys would have um, cerebral palsy to some degree. We didn't know. I mean, it could be just, I mean, it's a spectrum, right? Um, so we didn't know what to expect. What they didn't tell us was that both boys had PVL. They thought that it would be too much for us. So they told us only one did, which I, I think is kind of, I, I just think it's bullshit because yeah. I, I would have been prepared for two, but you know, you have your hopes up that the other one is okay because they never said anything, but yet he's exhibiting all these, all these problems that the other boy is also. So, you know, by the time they were, they were eight months, they both were confirmed and diagnosed with cerebral palsy. So aside from cerebral palsy, I believe they also have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or EDS for short. Um, what effect do these conditions have on your boys? Oh gosh, Ehlers-Danlos is just being discovered now. It's, it used to be one in 10,000 and now they're finding it's like one in 2,000. Um, it's a connective tissue disorder, so everything likes to stretch. We, we lack collagen. Everything likes to stretch. It doesn't like to stretch back. And that's before I was diagnosed at the age of 42. I had all my children, and that's why I had Luke and Zach too early, because my body just went into labor. Um, and they couldn't stop it. So uh, all my life, I had all of these symptoms. And, I mean, I had autonomic problems. Um, GI issues. Um, I would, I would dislocate my fingers opening up a pickle jar. Um, I would dislocate my joints all the time. When I was on tour for Mortal Kombat, I dislocated my knee and tore my ACL. So, all these things that were happening throughout my life, and I didn't know until the age of forty-two when I was finally diagnosed with this Ehlers-Danlos. And um, of course, you know Ehlers-Danlos and cerebral palsy are like opposite. You know, one likes to contract. And one likes to expand. So in the boys, it's, such, it's like this oxymoron going all the time with their bodies. And it just wreaks havoc orthopedically because they're so stretchy, but yet their muscles are so tense. So it's, their hips can get dislocated. And um, it's just, it's been really hard for them. A, a lot harder for them than it is me because of the cerebral palsy. But sorry, I forgot to turn my phone off. Um, <laughs> That's okay. My sisters are all calling me right now. Oh, it's 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 been really challenging, especially with one of one of the boys. His name is Luke. I almost lost him a couple of years ago um, because he developed gastroparesis. I was feeding him over 
4,000 calories a day and he was still losing six pounds a month. He got down to 95 pounds and he's five foot, five foot ten and a half. So you can imagine he looked like he, he looked like he was in a, a concentration camp. It was just so sad. And finally we put him in the hospital. I went to 13 different doctors. Nobody wanted to work on him. Um, the, the male clinic even turned him down because he wasn't a sure thing. You know, you got the cerebral palsy and the, and, and the Ehlers-Danlos and the seizure disorder and gastroparesis and, and all these things coming at him. So everybody's kind of learning like, oh, they're going to bring my numbers down here if they don't survive. So we couldn't find a doctor and it's, it was actually very sad. We finally found somebody at Lurie's that would take him, um, a pediatric doctor. And, you know, the, the, he at the time was 23. So, you know, nobody, there. the market is small for boys like mine. There's no specialists because they age out of the pediatric. And then, you know, they, they weren't supposed to live this long. So um, it's really hard to find a doctor for anything. You know, and it's usually pediatric doctors that we still see. Tommy, I believe that Raiden is actually your second child. Did he have what would be considered to be a relatively normal birth? At one, at what point did you both realize that something wasn't quite right? Yeah, so you know, for the first three months of his, his life, like he was meeting your your typical, I guess, baby milestone. He could sort of hold up his head, and then he was playing, he was smiling. You couldn't tell any difference. And then after about like you know, three, four months, um, he started being really s stiff. Um, he started vomiting 10, 11, 12 times a day. He was started contorting his body in, in different ways. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And we'll go to a pediatrician and I'm like, well, maybe he has acid reflux or food allergy and, you know, a bunch of other explanation as a parent at that time. You're like, okay, sure. We'll take those recommendations come to pass like four or five months six seven eight months i can't remember anymore we, we finally switched pediatrician and the new pediatrician i was like there's definitely something wrong with your son he is both hypotonia which means he's very floppy and soft but he's also hypertonia meaning he's very stiff most of the time so mm. that combo doesn't allow him to control his body and so he was around like 10 months at a time when we saw that pediatrician he couldn't sit up he couldn't control his arms or, or legs, or nor could he have any kind of head control, right? Because any given time you balance between floppiness and stiffness, so it's really hard to just control anything. Um, and so she was like, you definitely need to see a neurologist. Uh, you have to be admitted into a hospital. And so that was around December of 2020, I believe. We ended up staying in the hospital for 10 days and we ran all kinds of tests that you can imagine. They poked my son I don't know, feel like hundreds of times, if not thousand. Um, and at that time, he was just throwing up all the time. He couldn't intake any food. And so, like they said, fellowship five because he couldn't gain any weight. And so they had to put a tube from his nose down to his stomach just to uh, feed him. But that didn't help either. He would just puke the tube out, um, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, after 10 days, we ran EEG, look at his brain activity. Like, he's at risk for seizures, but he doesn't have any, like 5% of the population has that kind of like pattern that doesn't mean it has seizures um they did the mri to scan his brain structurally everything was okay that's and what so i was going to ask you I was everything like, was, what did the mri show 
yeah, and he didn't show anything? Um, yeah, everything was normal in his brain. And at that point in time, like, we would find ways, I don't know, it's part of, like, I don't know, we would find ways to blame ourselves what's going on. Like, did we bounce him too much to get him to drink milk? Or what did we do to make our, our son this way, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's me. My wife was a lot worse. Um, and then, yeah, we just went home. They, they, they were like, hey, let's just take the, the wait and see approach and see maybe it's just a developmental delay because they couldn't find anything was wrong with him. But we did went home after 10 days with um, a tube through his nose um, into his stomach to get fed. They called that the NG tube. And then we would go through all this process of like physical therapy and occupational therapy like daily, right, which is five times a week. Um, but yeah, for a month there, still he would like puke all the time and vomit 10, 11, 12 times a day. It wouldn't stop. And as a parent seeing that, it's like enough, it's enough, right? And whenever he does vomit, like this tube actually comes out of his nose. So like my wife would have to pin him down and I would have to take this tube and stick it down his nose make sure it goes back into his stomach and sometimes we are like hey is it really going to his stomach or is it going to his lungs so we have to actually go to the er get an x-ray to make sure it actually goes to his stomach and not his lungs and we went through that every single day um so finally we decided to get what's called a g-tube so we don't have to deal with that tube in his nose anymore and so we'll feed him directly through his stomach and as a parent you know you don't want to do that right we were really hesitant to even try to feed our, our son through his stomach because that's like no longer normal right um and we didn't want that feature for him but we just had to do it and so yeah that's uh that's when we learned that he was uh he was different now my heart just breaks for you everything you just said right there i went through at at their age mm -hmm. you know times two everything the whole story, even, you know, the NG tube and wondering if it's in the lungs or in the stomach and, you know, you'd aspirate and you weren't sure if that was stomach fluid or, or, you know, maybe he was just congested. So it's, I, I totally have yeah, empathy for you. You want to be too graphic, but sometimes you, you put the tube in, you puke it out and sometimes like even vomiting, sometimes blood will right. come out. It's, yeah. yeah. So here. <laughs> So Raiden was eventually diagnosed with UBA5, which um, even I hadn't heard of before hearing of your story. And it's something that's extremely rare and affects as little as 30 worldwide. So how did you and your wife feel after receiving the diagnosis? Um, I mean, obviously you're heartbroken, but um, like, did you go through a phase where you felt, uh, I guess, a bit hopeless and how did you turn that around and use it as strength to move forward on this journey? Yeah, so just going back, so it took us a while, um, seven or eight months after we got the G-tube to finally get that diagnosis. We went through a process called whole exome sequencing, so WES, W-E-S for short, uh, to look at all 20,000 genes. And so they found out that he has a particular gene mutation called UBA5. And so when the geneticist told us that he has this mutation and nothing much is known about it, there's little research and there's only like 30 cases. And I kid you not, we had like five minutes with the geneticist and that was pretty much it. We had no further research or any kind of guidance on what to do. And so, of course, we became Dr. Google. And when we Dr. Google, it's all you see at and you see other kids that's like life threatening. You see kids passing away you know, in infancy, 
toddler years. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Like my wife and I at that time when we got that result, it was August of 2021. Yeah, if <laughs> I don't even know how to describe, I'm getting emotional, but it, in a way to describe like Mortal Kombat, it just felt like Kano reach in and like pull your heart out a few times, and then Sang Swing just like take your soul out. Like you don't do anything, but you also feel pain at the same time. And it was like for like a month. It was hard knowing that you give birth to a child. You, you imagine you have this amazing family, right? You've written chapter one. This is what you're going to do with your family. He's going to hang out with his sister. Throw that shit out because no more, right? A life totally changes. You, you actually go through a mourning process. Yep. You know, you, you mourn for the child that you thought you were going to have. And you sit there and you wonder how can they possibly be happy, you know, this way. But you know what? That's all they know. They're happy, you know, and and I, I know the doctors told you that this is fatal and all this stuff, but they don't know that much. It might not be fatal in your son's case. You know, they told me that my sons were going to die probably in their early 20s and we're going on late 20s now. So you don't have the answers and and God only knows, you know, what Raiden was brought on this earth for and how long he's going to be here. The doctors can only say, well, this is what we've seen um, maybe 20 times, you know, and you, you can't believe him. You, you have to have your own faith and do the best that you can do and, you know, give him a good quality of life, which you can definitely tell he's so loved and he has amazing quality of life and you guys should be proud. No, he's a, he's, he's a happy kid. Um, but yeah, it's a month there or two is just that grieving process that the life that we imagine is no more, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after that, luckily we have a great support system. We have great friends and we just got back up and we're like, okay, this is our new norm and we're going to live life this way. But at the same time, we're going to fight. We're going to find a treatment for him, even though it doesn't seem like one is, is possible. But we read about the advancement of like gene therapy. So we're going to go take that path and see what happens. Carrie, you mentioned to us back in episode six of our podcast that you maintain a rigorous workout schedule so that you have the physical strength to lift and move your sons. Not to mention in personal conversations we've had, um, you've basically said that you haven't slept in 25 years. Uh, from where did you find your daily strength? And do you believe that climbing this mountain has ultimately made you a better person? Oh, definitely. Um, I just put a post out there um, when my boys hit 25 and, you know, I listed some things that I thought that I had learned from them. But I did say that, yeah, I do feel like I'm a better person because of them. You know, they, they teach you perspective. They teach you what's important in life. You know, it's it's not it's not all those little monetary things. You know, it, it's it's family. It's it's life. You know, it, just to, to be able to appreciate life every single day. You know, every day that I have with them, I am grateful, whether I'm up all night or not. At least I Amen. have them with me in my arms. Amen. Yeah. But yeah, Luke weighs more than me now, but I can still lift him. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, the doctors pretty much told you that nothing can be done uh, as UBA5 is incredibly rare. And so there's next to no research surrounding it. Why did you choose to fight against that notion 
why are you embarking on what many would consider a near impossible journey? Just want to hear your thoughts there. You know, I've, <laughs> I've been a fighter all my life and I will continue to fight. Like, that's why I want my family to see me as, I want my daughter to see as a fighter. I'm not going to give up just because he has this condition that maybe his fate, but you got to fight and, and try with, especially with the advancement of, of medicine. You just never know, right? You hear success yes. of gene therapy, like, hey, maybe we could do that. We could do that too as, as well. Um, and then, you know, maybe this is a grieving process or I'm mentally telling me this, but maybe this is God's purpose, right? For me to go through this, this path with my son. We could change the world together. Who knows? Yeah, you don't know true. you go on and, and fight. Well, no it's, also giving you, it's also giving you a sense of purpose because you're doing what you can to help him because things are out of your control as far as, you know, his health and, and um, you know, his demise or, you know, his, his, um, his healing. You don't know. You don't know which way you're going to go. And, and you're doing everything you can to make sure that it's going to be on the road to healing. That, that road, though, sometimes is, is tough because we also know, you know, I mean, his life could be different, but we know the clock is also ticking just based on the small sample side. Just like last month, right, we saw a kid with UVA5 actually pass away. And so whenever you hear about that or see that, it's just really tough to, to process. It's kind of like reset and you get back up and you fight again. But it takes a few weeks there just like mentally, like pick yourself back up. Yeah, I Luke and Zach would have friends in school that would pass away overnight when they were totally healthy, you know, it would be, you know, a seizure or something like that. And they just never woke up. And it does, it's, it sets you back and it just breaks your heart. And you wonder, you know, am I going to be in their shoes? So you've established the Raiden Science Foundation in partnership with the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School to develop groundbreaking gene replacement therapy for UBA5, which is awesome. Um, how long is this process expected to take? And just how much money do you need to raise to make this happen? Yeah, so we launched the Radiant Science Foundation last Thanksgiving, uh, once we established that partnership with UMass Chan. So they're one of the premier, you know, personalized medicine gene therapy institute in the country and so for the audience watching at home what exactly is gene therapy so my son has that uba5 gene mutation like you and i all have that uba5 gene except his is, is mutated or, or defective right and so in theory you would just replace it with a, a better copy or a good copy of that gene hopefully it'll override that bad gene and then he can have a better quality of life and resume his you know developmental trajectory right because right now he's just stuck in his body and so that's called gene replacement therapy and so umass has done it before one of the very few institutions in america that has done something like that so we are partnering with them uh to attempt this groundbreaking research so they have done gene therapy for other diseases well-studied diseases not something that's understudied and so rare but um we're gonna put our, our hats together um in the do this research at the end of the day it's, it's still an experiment but again it's the notion of like fighting and, and trying and to see what happens right and so this whole process it's science you never know what could go wrong right the timeline is is three years and they estimate the budget 
would cost four million. Well, over time, right, it could be a little bit cheaper, or it could be more like you don't know. It's science, right? You could do one research project and like that doesn't work. You have to take it at at a, a different angle. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, it's you know about three years, four million dollars. Um, that's that's what we're looking at. So, Kerry, how did you learn about the Raiden Science Foundation and what made you so supportive of their work of Raiden and what Tommy's doing? Um, Tommy emailed me, I believe, didn't you? I can't. I, was I, I, I did, I did huh. email you, but I think you commented on our, our Twitter page or reshared something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, as soon as he told me his story, it, I think it was an email. He sent me um, YouTube links to see um, what Raiden was going through. As soon as I saw Raiden, Raiden it, I just totally, it, I, it brought me back to when the boys were his age. You know, Zachary's hypertonic and hypotonic also. So Raiden's movements were almost exactly like Zachary's. And it just brought me back and it just tore my heart out, you know, to know, to know that they're going through this fight and there, there may be a death sentence at the end. You don't know. So I was like, I, I have to help. <laughs> I mean, just to be there for support, um, for what they're going through now, you know, I, I, I can be a source of, of support and, you know, another creative mind to think about, you know, what else, what else can we do? And I'm, I'm constantly thinking about that. Like, what could we do to, to help this boy? You know, whether it's just comfort while he's in the hospital and in pain or, or sending ideas, you know, for the fundraiser, you know, it, I'm in, I'm in, <laughs> I'll, I'll fight with you. I appreciate that so much, Gary. Yeah. Cause Tommy, you, you have mentioned before that Carrie helped you through a pretty tough time while you were with Raiden in the hospital. Um, could you tell us more elaborately about that though? Yes. And so, you know, with any kind of special need child or a rare disease child, like every day is different. You don't know what to expect. And so we took a trip to Hawaii with our, our family just to kind of like reset it and enjoy life because you never know what tomorrow will bring, right? And so everything was great. And then on a flight home, Brayden just got sick. This was around first end of May. We didn't know what was going on. Um, so he was home. We finally got home and then he started making these weird movements and started contorting his body again. Um, you know, they call it dystonia. Um, he gets really stiffened up and he'll like bend his arm like back like this. It just seems really painful. Like we've seen him before, but not to this extent. And so my wife and I took Graydon to the ER, um, waited in the ER, gosh, what took like 10, 12 hours before we didn't get checked in. I remember texting Carrie about that. She knows that pretty well. Like sometimes it could take a long time to see a doctor, um, even if your son is in, in pain. Um, so we got checked in finally. Uh, it was my son, my Raiden, myself, and my wife. And then my wife got sick when we were in the hospital. And then she went home, took the test, and she has COVID. And so she was home. It was only Raiden and myself in the hospital. Now, this never happened before. We have always been a team. It's always been my wife, myself and Raiden in the hospital together. But my wife, Linda, was really, really sick. Um, and she, uh, I remember she was home. She did post a, 
story about Raiden you know, going into the ER and he wasn't feeling well. And I believe Carrie saw that, um, that post and actually texted me at that moment in time. And we just exchanged texts and she was super supportive. Um, Cause at that time I didn't really have anybody to communicate with. And yeah, she was just helping me guide through that, that process and emotionally supporting me really. Um, just telling me what to ask the doctor, um, push them on certain things. Cause you know, she's been through this process for 25 years. Um, we've been through it for like, you know, two and a half, but it's still new to the process. So super grateful of, of the support. And, you know, I never told this, but I don't really have a good relationship with my sister who's around Carrie age. And I feel like at that moment in time, like Carrie was like my family was like a sister I'd never had. Um, just sitting back to think about it. So super thankful for that. Wow. You make me cry. <laughs> That's an incredible story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tommy, you've mentioned that to me briefly at one point. And uh, I mean, Carrie, Hats off to you. You know, I'm not wearing one, but if I had one, I'd, I'd take it off to you. Uh, it, it takes a, a strong person to be there, you know, especially when in some ways showing that support almost forces you to relive your own experiences. Um, but the fact that you were there for Tommy, I think, speaks volumes of your strength and character. And I know it means the world just- to him. It's just the frustration. You know, you, you have your child here who's screaming and in pain. And then you have all these doctors around going, well, maybe we should do this test before we decide to treat. I've actually learned to medicate my kids before I go to the hospital, you know, because I know they're going to be sitting there waiting with people scratching their heads. And I've, I've gotten into fights with nurses and doctors before because it's like, listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I've been through this and you're looking at me and you don't know what the hell's going on. So listen to the mother. Listen to mm-hmm. the intu- intuition of the parent who's been through this and take some hints. You know, I mean, you you can definitely tell if somebody knows what they're talking about, if they've been through it, or if they're a deer in headlights saying, help me, help me. You know, so it's just a lot. Of, there's just a, so much ego and stuff going on in hospitals. and It just drives me crazy because it's just, it's about treating people and helping them and having compassion and just giving someone a better quality of life. That's right. Yeah, that's something I don't understand. Like, yeah, this they try a lot of stuff. Everybody has like different opinion. You know, sometimes the doctors and nurses not even aligned. And so you're like, well, what are you doing to my kid if you guys are not even aligned, right? I could get into politics and insurance right now, but let's not do that. But that's a lot of the reason, you know, they're afraid to treat because they're afraid of being sued. Yeah, unfortunately, in many cases, that's a sad reality. So, Tommy, where did the idea for Combat for Rare come from? Uh, what have you done so far with that name? And why did you base your charity around Mortal Kombat? You know, a fighting game of all things. Yeah, so we were in the process of planning Raiden's birthday um, last year, so which was February 26th. Like, I woke up... At, at, it was like, I believe it's like the morning of his birthday. I woke up, I was like, I know his birthday is today, but it would be really cool if we did like a local tournament for Mortal Kombat. Given that, you know, he's Raiden. It just makes sense, like a local tournament. And then as I start connecting with like friends and, and local arcade owner, and they're like, oh, what if you reach out to like the Mortal Kombat, like cast members from like MK1 to like three, which I did. 
and then just kept on building upon that, that idea and then learning more about like charity streaming on, online and getting connected with like the Mortal Kombat community and just the fighting game community in general. And it's like, that's a great opportunity to like raise awareness here uh, within that community that's, that's different. And so that's where the concept of like combat where um, came to life. And it's also Mortal Kombat like 30th anniversary, right? And so I remember bringing it to my, my team. I'm like, we should do this. And they're like, well, Mortal Kombat is pretty gory. It's pretty bloody. Is that, you know, something you want to do? It's pretty controversial, right? Because most charities don't touch Mortal Kombat at all, right? And so <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's like, hey, this is different. Like when you're raising awareness for a rare disease, an ultra rare disease, where there's only 30 cases in the world, like you have to bring it. You have to do something out of the box to bring attention you know, I totally believe that Mortal Kombat would do it. Uh, so yeah, we we went forward with Combat for Rare and start playing it. Um, yeah, it just makes sense, right? At the end of the day, my son is named Raiden. Mortal, it's Mortal Kombat 30th anniversary, right? And Mortal Kombat is it's about fighting. Yes. Yeah. Very well said. So Tommy, how supportive? have the Mortal Kombat community been throughout this ordeal? Super, super duper uh, supportive. You know, look, meeting Carrie is look how supportive she's been, right? And then mm -hmm. you guys, after you saw the post, just like reaching out on like Twitter, like everybody has been doing that. And so the community has been super supportive. It's, it's overwhelming. I well, don't even know what to say. He's even got Ed on his side. <laughs> He's a good one to have in your corner, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's just amazing when we, you can get a community rally around um, a purpose, right? So I guess it's clear that you want the Rain Science Foundation to be a, a beacon of hope, inspiration, and humanity. Um, can you expand on that desire? Yeah, so we want the foundation, our family's journey to be, you know, hope, right? We're actually creating more in hope just because, you know, doctor told you that this is the outcome and what you read is this the outcome. It doesn't have to be that way, right? And so we want to show that, hey, we're fighting this and we, we can create more than just just hope. We can be on this battle and really change Raiden's future. We can really change um, the future for other kids suffering from UBA 5 today and in the future as well and then in terms of in inspiration again that's that inspiration to like fight um i hate to bring like races into this but if you look at like you google up rare disease or rare disease you know kids like most of the stuff that show up on google it's not people of color right uh, it's pretty rare for someone like me who's asian to do something like this just to be honest right and so as we go on this journey and people are reading about us like they're reaching out and say hey it's such an inspiration you know how can we do the same thing thank you for the courage for sharing your story because at times like depending on your culture rare disease is also a taboo people don't talk about it right and so this journey allows us to be the voice of like the voiceless as well and then the last part is like we see this as bringing humanity together like there's all kind of shit going on in the world right now right it's bad but hopefully we can get people together um just to make a difference 
So tell us specifically, Tommy, how can everybody watching or listening to this podcast right now help your fight for a better future? One, um, just continue to share, if you haven't, um, about Combat for Rare or share about the Radiant Science Foundation. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Donate if you can, right? Even a dollar counts and that's totally okay as well. All we need is four million people to donate a dollar. That's it. And I did. Well, that community is a lot bigger than four million people, so I think we can do. Yeah, I did the the math in my head. I'm like, well, we get two hundred and fifty thousand Mortal Kombat fans to view or be a part of this campaign. Twenty percent of them donate just twenty dollars, which is you know, so fifty thousand twenty. That's a million bucks right there. Oh, help! Because through this campaign, like our goal. A moonshot goal is to raise a million. Yes, overall, we need $4 million for the treatment. But for this Combat for Rare campaign, we're just looking to raise a million to get the research going for another year. Well, Tommy, we're all behind you and your family. And, you know, we're rooting for you. And we have our fingers crossed that we get there. But before we wrap up for today, Toasty and I have prepared a little treat for Raiden with thanks to some big names in Mortal Kombat. So... Sit back and we hope you enjoy. Can Raiden watch that too? Maybe I can bring Raiden down. Yeah, if you, if you like. Yeah, let's go for it. Hey, buddy. And there he is. Hi, buddy. He's actually he's sleeping. This is Raiden. Favorite color. <laughs> What's Raiden's favorite color? What's his favorite color? It yeah. seems yeah. like he's attracted to blue. <laughs> blue. Here, watch. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> like he's smiling. How cool is that? He is. Aww. Hey, Raiden and the fam family. I'm Will Roger, the music composer for Mortal Kombat 11. I heard about Raiden's condition and your heroic efforts to support him. And so I just wanted to wish you the very best in finding the cure. Cheers and God bless. Hi Raiden, this is Dr. Philip On I played Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat 2. I just want to wish you and your family the best while you're going through these difficult times. God bless and keep the faith. Hi guys, this is Tom Choi, Liu Kang on Mortal Kombat. And I just want to send my best wishes to Raiden fam. Raiden, you, the God of Thunder, have all the power and strength to kick UBA5's butt. So, and and I have a six and a half month old myself, so this is very near and dear to me. Um, you got this, Earth Realm needs you, and um, as the immortal words say, fight. Hello, Raiden, and the rest of the fam family. I'm Carlos Piscina, the original Raiden from Mortal Kombat 1 and 2. Illustrator, motion capture, combat design, and choreographer, all the way up to MK11, and now recently retired from NetherRealm Studios. I want to say a, a small prayer and a, and a blessing to you, Raiden, 
and your family. We're here praying for you every day. And we wish the best outcome for you and your family. And from my family to yours, God bless and many blessings. Thank you. Hey, Raiden and family. This is Max Huang. You guys might know me from the Mortal Kombat movie 2021, where I play Kung Lao. And today I wanted to take the chance to let you guys know that I'm wishing you all the best, a lot of strength for whatever difficulties you might be facing. And I know that little Raiden, like in the movies and the games, he is the god of thunder and lighting. So I have no doubt that he will continue using his warrior spirit to keep on fighting. With that being said, stay safe guys and all the best. Bye. Hello Raiden fam. This is Johnny Cage coming to you from Hollywood, California. Now, normally when I hear the name Raiden, makes me uh, wanna crack my knuckles, get a little triggered and prepare myself to uh, kick some ass. I got an issue with your uh, parents naming you Raiden, but <clears throat> I'm gonna saddle that for a moment. When your family told me about your uh, story, Raiden, I gotta say I was impressed. Anybody who has to go through a fight like that <sighs> is definitely someone that I'd like to call an ally and is just all around impressive. So, in honor of your fight and your family being cool, other than the fact they named you Raiden, I'm making a declaration today that there will be one Raiden in the world whose ass I won't kick. And little man, that's now yours. Be it this universe, that universe, or any of the other alternate ones. Whether I'm young, old, in between, whichever version I am, I'm still awesome. Wherever that is, if you ever need a friend or someone to come uh, take care of business with you, give me a call. I'll be there in a jiff. Did I just say jiff? Not okay. See, fam? This is why you don't name your kid Raven messes with my head so uh, i gotta get back to set but uh much blessings much love keep kicking butt and uh as i like to say boom <laughs> looks like he enjoyed it he was watching it and he got he cracked a few smile that's what i like hi to raiden say. hi raiden Hi, Raiden. Hi, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Give me a smile. Can you smile? Can you smile? Let me see. You smile, Carrie. Hi. There it is. <laughs> Sweet boy. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, he's waving too. Yeah. Buddy. Hey. Yeah, no, it's just, uh, it's incredible to see um, just the support and really thank you for but doing this and continuing to help us, you know, raise awareness for, for rare disease and, and for UBA5. Well, we're here with you and I don't want yes. you or your family to ever feel like you're alone. That's right. Uh-oh. Oh. Okay, okay, now I gotta tell my story because he yes. ended that, that <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Like Go ahead, Carrie. So before the boys had their G-tubes and their fundoplications, um, it's where they 
they sew the stomach up around the esophagus so you can't throw up. Um, they worked their way around it later, but we used to have these red solo cups all over the house, you know, to catch the puke. Oh. <laughs> and I was wondering if Tommy had had cups around the house, you know, to catch the puke. Oh, I, uh, I don't have it. We just use our bare hands because we're used to it. Like, oh. Okay, so, so we used to have red solo cups all over the place. And I can't tell you how many times I made myself a drink and went to go drink it and could smell puke. Oh. So to this day, I cannot drink out of a red solo cup. <laughs> oh. They're not allowed in my house. <laughs> we use clear or blue. Yeah. Cannot have red. <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. He's uh, he's a bit under the weather, but he does, you know, vomit and puke like that all the time. I was not joking when I say 11 or 12 times a day. But as Carrie, you know, mm -hmm. like going through this process, especially children, this is like normal. We're like, okay, I got puke all over me. That's totally fine. I know for you too, it's like, woo. Well, there. it's actually <laughs> normal for someone like Raiden because his trunk is underdeveloped. And when you're hypo and hypertonic like that, you ha you can't hold yourself up. And when you hold yourself up, that keeps gravity pushing, you know, what you put in your stomach down. So when you don't have that, that control in your trunk, things like to come back up and you get a lot of um, gastro reflux and, and that kind of stuff. So, and it sucks for them. It sucks a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, Tommy, Carrie, did you have any final words at all before we end off today's episode? Yeah, you guys, donate. Yes. Donate to... Please. If you can, please. Raymond's Cause for UBA5. Or UBA5, right? UBA5. There's no there's no name for the disease yet. It's just... It's going to be called... It's going to be called... Raiden Fam Disorder. <laughs> Now, like Carrie mentioned, like if you can, um, please donate to our cause. Like what we're doing today, this journey that we're on to create the gene replacement therapy um, for UBA5 will have a generational impact. And what I mean by that, it's like, hey, it's not just a treatment for for Raiden. It's not just a treatment for UBA5 disease. Like any discovery that we unlock will actually help other diseases um, as well, because um, we know UBA5 also causes heart disease. And, and diabetes and cancer as well. Uh, yeah, anything we, we learn about any kind of rare disease contribute to a whole, you know, community of like rare disease and all the rare diseases out there. Um, and I just want to throw one stat out there. There's 400 million people suffering from rare disease, half of them, 200 million are, are kids, right? And then 30% of those, which is 60 million kids, pretty much the size of Italy, unfortunately will die before the age of five and my son Raiden unfortunately falls in that category at least that what we're told but fate might be different for him who knows as we go on this journey fingers crossed. all those rare disease 80 percent of it is caused by genetic mutation so in theory once gene therapy can scale you know more affordable it doesn't take three years to evolve maybe like few months or a year in their in the future, 10, 15 years from now, a child is diagnosed with a rare disease, they can be treated um, right away and not have to go through this whole process. So by helping us today, we help kind of build towards that process in a better future. Hey, Tommy, how did they do the gene therapy? Where did they get the normal genes to do the therapy with? 
they would they would engineer that that gene in the lab and that yeah, like that get gene it from would his be sister? Hmm? couldn't he get it from like his sister or would that be no. bad because she's a female yeah that wouldn't work they would have to construct that that gene uh make good copy they have to figure out which copies to make now we get into the science thing right there's like two isoform of uba5 we have to decide which one we want to go with the one that's most expressed in the brain or the one that's not most expressed in the brain we chose to go with the one that's most expressed in the brain because it makes sense a lot of his mm. symptoms comes from his you know neurological um effect there so we chose to go with that one and just build that gene therapy platform around that that particular turning you into a neuroscience yeah Raiden's turning you into a neuroscientist yes there's a lot of uh, <laughs> science yeah. work there Well, uh, before we wrap up, I just want to say again, um, thank you both for sharing your stories. It means a tremendous amount. And, uh, you know, we, the entire community, you know, Tommy, we got you. And, uh, yeah, this was, this was a big deal for us. So thanks for being on the show, and we're going to do everything we can, man. Yeah, thank you for having me and, and writing himself on the show. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys, for everything you're doing. For sure, yeah. Stay strong and God bless. It's been an honor speaking with both Tommy and Kerry, who are warriors in their own right. Please do your part and help support Raiden's search for a cure. This research has the potential to save countless lives. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit combatforrare.donordrive.com. That's combatforrare.com donordrive.com There, you can join Team Kamidogu and help us raise funds for Raiden as a community. If you can't make a donation, please share this episode on your social media pages to further Raiden's story. Both Christopher and I wish Raiden and his family all the very best, and will continue to follow Raiden's progress closely. We at Kamidogu will keep in touch with the fam family and hope to have some positive updates to share with you in the future. Visit RaidenScience.org for more information on Raiden's journey. And be sure to check out the episode's notes for links to Raiden's social media pages. While Mortal Kombat has a deadly alliance, which wreaked havoc, we as the greater Mortal Kombat community have a unique opportunity right now to join forces and fight for a better tomorrow. It has begun. Until next time, combatants, you know how it goes. Have fun, stay safe, and stay flawless.